straight up the price of admission growth stories life lessons turning points service to others truth no bullshit adding value no smoke and mirrors being the pressure third down and ten fighting below the surface win or learn always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder these are the things that i think about when i talk to this group they're still kindling that fire taken to the fleet and beyond living the values today through faith with the family and at the job obsessed with ownership and accountability winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity pedal to the metal paying the price of admission let's go You nervous? Uh, I'm talking with you, Tony, you know. I'm as happy as a guy can be right now, you know. It's been too long, that's for sure. It had to come down to this. Now, I've been thinking about starting this for a while. You know, I ran this idea past you guys, um, you know, the the brothers. um, And and looking for a name, right? And you came back with, uh, hey, well, first of all, what's it going to be about? You know, I think of, you know, just our class because that's who we're close to. But the journey that we went through, um, you know, where we're at today, a lot of the, the struggles, the things that we had to, you know, learn, overcome. Um, man, just watching the news is not fun. And yeah. and I miss being around uh, that type of person, right, and, and that type of group. So, when you know asking the the crowd wait what should we call this thing you came up with the price of admission baller what does that mean to Cameron Marshall and then we'll jump into your story yeah um well again you know kind of like I said I can't really I can't claim it you know that's Clint Bruce who who I think was the first person I ever heard use that term and uh you know it's interesting I don't think I ever heard Clint uh, give it a definition, which who's Clint Bruce, <laughs> Clint Bruce, the mighty Clint Bruce, uh, class of 97, I guess, team of 96, the hula bowl team, you know, freaking epic, you know, Joe speed, all the, you know, all those, these guys that, that, that really, I would say paved the way to modern Navy football, the, the modern era of, of Navy football. They're, they're kind of the, that class is kind of the godfathers along with along with the, the 2004 team and and you know Bob McLaren and and Lane Jackson and you know Kyle Eckel and all those guys as well that's probably another step you know in the in the Jackson era or sorry in the in the Johnson era but um yeah Clint, Navy SEAL you know just like uh just uh the he's kind of the embodiment of Navy football and and, it, and at least for us you know yep. growing up and, and uh, growing up in the program and you know Clint Bruce walks into Bellino. It's it's even it's probably more important than Roger Staubach walking into the, the locker room. At least the guys who who when you say the term price of admission, that 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 kind of hits their heart a little bit, um, or not a little bit, but and maybe that's what it is. You know, it's like like all the like a lot of really great terms. The price of admission is probably a little bit easier to maybe sense and feel than it is to define. Um, and so, you know, you're sitting in Bellino halfway through camp or halfway through spring ball or like three quarters of the way through a season, you're like down 25 pounds and coming off whatever surgery. And Clint Bruce says, uh, you know, the price of admission and everybody kind of like nods like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I got, you know, like I, that, like enough said, don't really need to, to, you know, there are some things that are maybe best left unsaid, um, but you know, assuming that one, it's important for us to kind of talk about these things, right? Because um, what what happened to us, what we did to one another, what we what we did, and what we continue to kind of live uh, is important to. It's kind of important to explore. So, um, so trying to give it a definition, I think, is probably important. Um, you know, and it's. Uh, <laughs> It's also a term that's it's interesting. It has it has a different connotation whether you're like, you know, it's 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 uh, whether it's in the present, in the past, or in the future. It's it's something that's very um, I don't want to say intangible, but like um, continuous, 
yeah, continue transcendent maybe is a good word for it. Well, I'm uh, glad I have you on this on this um, podcast because you you're going to educate me today. That's for sure. Those big words. <laughs> well, just you know, it's just I don't know, like something that's beyond the just immediate yep. and the here and now, right? Like, especially okay, if we're going to define it, and we assume that, which is a big assumption that we don't live in this like dystopian Orwellian hellscape where words no longer have any meaning if we're going to say okay words have meaning and we should probably kind of define uh them using our language and and uh then you know what's the price of admission what do you do with the price of admission you pay it you know it's something you pay um it's something it's payment and um and it's it's also something that you know you paid you are paying and will pay uh and and it's it's uh it's not an investment either um you know you think about what those like four or five five years for us or nine years if you're clint sovi um <laughs> what those you know what those years were they weren't an investment uh an investment something to get back uh they were just payment you know just pay just pay me and uh now. you paid it you, yeah like right now and with everything like pay up empty your pockets everything and uh i want your i want your physical body i want you to lay that down um i want your all of your mental faculties and capacity i want you to lay that down i want your full emotional investment i want you to lay that down uh i want your pride lay that down you know it's like you you the real the that real era of navy football you can't talk about it unless you talk about the fact that like guys showed up every day and you just got you just got belittled and humiliated and broken down shotgun style you know like i i think you know, i think like uh, Danny O like i'm sure i'm sure coach O'Rourke well i can remember him looking at me like how in the world did your mother give birth to you? Like you are such a just absolute, <laughs> you are lower than humanity. No one should have ever given birth to you. You are so unathletic. It makes me sick. And are like coach Bohannon or coach Munkin, those guys, you know, it's interesting. When I think of like coach Munkin, coach Munkin would look at me and like talk to me, not like he was disgusted with me, but he was disgusted with himself that he had to actually coach me. Like that, that's how far he had fallen. <laughs> That he like, he's like, what am I doing with my own life that I have to coach this unathletic sack of flesh? There's no way this kid is playing Division One football, you know. But that was how every day was emotional. Yeah. They all, mentally. they also all worked for uh, the guy named Paul Johnson. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right, like setting no the tone. Make, no one can make you feel smaller. Yeah. Than you know than Paul Johnson and uh, and. <laughs> My, my Paul Johnson story, but the only one, the only time he ever spoke to me, I kid you not, one time, um, <laughs> you know, let's see, like, maybe freshman year, I don't know, freshman or sophomore year, who knows, and he, like, walked past me, I'm taking my cleats off at, uh, uh, outside the locker room, he walked past me, and, like, stopped, just real quick, and was like, Marshall, you're not very good, but you play hard, son, you play hard, <laughs> and, you know, I was like, Thanks. And by the time I was like trying to say thanks, Coach, he already walked. Already off. gone. He's yeah. like, he's like, oh man, you're bringing back <laughs> some memories for me too. It's good stuff. Keep it up. But yeah. anyways, what I'm getting at is like that that payment. One was like it was like in the moment. It was the the here and now. It you didn't get anything back. Um, it was true, you know, in kind of the biblical sense of of payment, like you know. Uh, I always feel, you know, blessed to be a Christian that, I, you know, my view of leadership comes from Jesus on the cross, which is like, it's not only is it, is it, you know, payment um, right there, but it's like, things are not getting better. You know, they're getting worse. Like you get, you get to pay, you get to give everything and then you get humiliated on top of it. You get to pay everything and then you get broken, you know, completely, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you know what you get? You get to be there. That's what you get. And, and that real Navy football kind of FIBU price of admission, uh, payment 
is not a payment. It's not an investment. It's not like, ooh, I do it now. And you know, you get some back later. And uh, like, have you ever, <laughs> you ever had, you ever had, I'm sure you have had this conversation with people when they find out that you went to the Naval Academy. Um, especially like if they do with me, you know, like six months later when they find out that I play maybe football, cause they're like, you played football? Were you, like, were you a receiver? Um, I'm like, yeah. Uh, is that they always go, wow, that's amazing. Like you got this world-class education, which I think is objectively true. You're like, yeah, okay. I got a great education. You got to play big time football. Like you got to play Notre Dame. You got to play in our Navy game. You got to play in the horseshoe, you know, whatever. Which we beat uh, them twice, by the way. Uh, yeah. I was Notre Dame, say, that's pretty know, nice. I, that's why I was telling you. Well, I mean, I did more than play Notre Dame. Um, we beat them twice. And never lost uh, to army or air force. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. <laughs> But and then they always end the conversation. They're like, and it was free, and it was free. Uh huh. And you're, and, you're, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was free. Yeah, it's free. You know, <laughs> it's like that's when you're like, yeah, okay. The world that we live in, literally, like words have no more meaning. Um, when you know, when somebody says something, you know, especially today, in, in this, you know, with the with the jackasses that are are leading our our culture and society, you know, when something's when somebody says something's free, like get ready, yep. you're about to get raped. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to pay a price that's going to take your breath away, and that's exactly like that's exactly the price of admission in my mind. It's like, uh, you know, not only is it not free, it's everything, and you get to pay it all. And the only thing you get is to be there. You get to be there, and you get a chance. You get a chance to be in that locker room, at, you know, at touchdown Jesus afterwards, and and throw the Gatorade around you know like you get a chance and you get to, you get to be there you know me looking back on that I mean it's it was an awesome awesome experience paying that price um, you know we were, were a group of guys that were you mentioned um, you know getting you know belittled and and stuff out on the field and us coming together you know kind of that chip on your shoulder well that's kind of where we all came from we weren't the top recruits right like trying to play football we went to the naval academy where you still get to play division one but that price you must pay really brought to together i think a special group of, of people uh, which was yeah us. yeah and uh that's why yeah. another reason just additionally on top cherry on top of the cake another reason why i wanted to do this because i now i can hear your story right what'd you go through after the fact because we all went through that price and what we paid. Um, and looking back on it, I think there's just so much value to be had um, hearing that story and, and dropping some knowledge nuggets on some, some folks that maybe want to hear that. Or maybe they're thinking about uh, pursuing a similar path. So though it couldn't be said any other way. Um, tell me more about your, your story from Marshall, from high school, Cameron Marshall, uh, coming out of high school, Where'd you head before you got to the academy? And then, you know, where are you at today? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny you said, you know, these guys who, who, you know, have no really, on paper, have no business playing Division One football. And and by by the way, that that they look at you also have no business being at the Naval Academy, right? Like, I, I, I'm firmly confident that I'm, I'm the lowest high school GPA ever admitted to the Naval Academy. There's, what was that? I, Remember what it was? My high school GPA? Yeah. 1.7. 1.7. Goodness yeah. gracious. And, and you're like leading, um, you know, at a higher level than most people ever thought about. Yeah, the Marine Corps gave me a master's degree. Um, Ryan Hamilton came up to me in the locker room. He was like, hey, take your pads off. You're ineligible. He's like, did you know you had a 1.7 high school GPA? I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that's about right. He's like, how, how? 1.7, that's not good enough to graduate. How'd you graduate? And I said, well, I enlisted in the Marine Corps and they let me walk, you know, like they gave me a diploma because I enlisted in the Marine Corps after 9-11. He's like, <laughs> he's like well, I, that ain't going to count. That ain't going to cut it for NCAA. Okay, dude, like take your pads off. You're on the freaking training staff from here on out. Goodness. Uh, See, I did not know that about you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, like uh, I, for literally I missed the day of camp uh, freshman year, like plebe year. I was like running around like. Was there anyone else the, in the, the back? S- was there anyone else in the same bucket? No, I was okay. literally the only guy. 
And, uh, and the whole time, like every time Hamilton would look like walk past me, he'd like shake his head in disgust. You know, like how? Because you know we all went to Naps, so yeah. and I came out of Naps. We came out of Naps with good GPAs. You know, they like teach you how to not be a total moron and and like, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had a one point seven high school GPA. So yeah, I was a senior uh, when September eleventh happened. I was a senior in high school in Broomfield, Colorado, um, and I was loving playing football. But I was never going to be a college football player. I mean, not anything above like division three or something like that. And even like the division three schools were like, looking at me, they're like, well, that kid, you know, he's all right. Well, he kind of sucks, but he's got like a 1.7 GPA. Like he's not even worth like, <laughs> even for like a D three program, he's not even worth it. Like this kid's worthless. Um, but, uh, nine 11 happened when I was a senior. So, uh, that changed my whole perspective on life. I mean, it really did. Um, and you know, when you're young and your frontal lobe's not developed, like all I wanted to do was just murder. I was so mad. I was in. <laughs> That's all I cared about. I just no no you know no frontal cortex, just pure animal nature. I'm gonna go murder these guys, uh, and whoever whoever will let me do that the fastest, that's who I'm with. And uh, and the Marine Corps kind of was like, yeah yeah, we'll let you kill these guys. Um, and so I, you know, uh, the the recruiting offices opened up like three days after September 11th because they were closed. You know, like the whole world shut down. Um, I went back in there and I was just like, I want to be an infantryman. I want to I want to, you know put rounds on target on these guys and they're like sure you know no problem uh so i enlisted after after you know not graduating high school uh i enlisted and and they sent me off to marine corps boot camp and i was an instrument so went to first uh fleet anti-terrorism security team company and and then eventually you know and and went and fought you know, a couple of times in iraq and and uh and you know the the it's interesting the military that i joined back then was uh was just a totally different beast i mean it was so it was so politically incorrect. It was just myopically focused on lethality. Could care less what you're, you know, uh, the only thing it, you know, the only, the only part of it, your, uh, you know, your, uh, reproductive organs it cared about were the parts that turned you into just a savage. That was it. Like, did, do your reproductive organs make you a, a savage killer? That's what we care about. You know, that sounds um, like, sounds like, uh, James Madison. I, <laughs> I love his, uh, his latest book but yeah yeah it's crazy yeah yeah and so that was the that was the marine corps i joined and that was kind of the, the force that i that i deployed you know oif1 uh oif3 oif4 um africa cj2f hoa um to djibouti and somalia and uh and then i had a platoon commander uh who was a, a really good dude but not an academy guy um when i was in africa who was like hey you should think about an officer program you know i think you can you be good at it? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I didn't think, I like, I, again, I was like, dude, I didn't graduate high school. Not really. Um, and he was like, well, I don't know. You can give it a shot. And, uh, and then in OF4, I went, uh, I went to third battalion, second Marines, Kilo company. And, uh, and told those guys that I was interested in, in looking at the Naval Academy as one of the options. Cause when you'd be talking about officer programs, it was like somebody had mentioned it to me. And I had always, I always loved watching the army Navy game growing up. I think I was from Colorado, but I didn't care about air force. Nobody does. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, the, the, uh, the other platoon commander was like, Hey, you should go talk to, to Lieutenant Stan. Like he's a, you know, he's a Naval Academy graduate. He played football. I was like, Oh man, I would kill to, to get another shot to play football. And so I did in, uh, in Alkaim, I went and talked to him. He probably doesn't even remember that conversation cause it was short, but he just kind of talked to me, you know, about what, and it was interesting. The thing that he thing that he brought up was he was like yeah i mean it's you know i played football naval academy which is like you know you're you're used to the, this kind of brotherhood this this uh this tight bond that we have here you know as combat as as infantrymen and he said you know that's that's the you know that's kind of the the uh the pinnacle of that is is that um that relationship that team that that i played in you know at navy and, uh, and it really just kind of stirred the way he talked, the way he, the way he led, you know, and, and I went through that entire deployment with him, um, in Operation Matador when he's awarded Silver Star, you know, I was there. Um, and so he's just one of those guys who was just electric, you know, he was magnetic, he was totally electric and he was different than all the other platoon commanders. He's just a total brawler and everything, you know, just, it just poured out of him. You know, and none of it was really spoken. I mean, his, his Marines would have murdered a small village if he just told them to you know they're just loyal to the point of to, to the point of death you know and uh anyway so 
that was kind of what really piqued my interest. I applied. I eventually got, uh, unbelievably, they accepted me to, to NAPS. You know, a huge mistake, but they did it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I showed up to NAPS, and uh, and all I wanted to do, you know, I I was pretty well, you know, smoke checked from back to back to back combat deployments. All I wanted to do was play football. That was just all I I, I couldn't believe I was going to maybe get a chance to walk on the football team, and. Uh, and walked on and walked on the defensive line with all these just animals, you know, it was like Neshack and Jordo and all these guys just savage, you know. I just yeah, remember Josh on. Smith? Oh my goodness, you know, he these was, guys that were just yeah. they were just beasts, you know, just total animals. And uh and Akabemi was like, first day of practice, like he's like, You look scared, man. <laughs> and uh you know, it's like not something anybody had ever said to me before. I was like, Man, I'm a combat man, I'm not scared. If you look back on it retro, you know, if I like look back on it, honestly, yeah, yeah, I like looked across and like Jordan Stevens is like breathing, breathing out of his neck, you know, he's just so big and just gnarly looking and like Matt Neshack, you know, just moves like lightning, you know, and, uh, and yeah, you know what? I'm sure I was, I'm sure I was freaking terrified. Uh, but then they, so they moved me over to O-line and I kid you not, like second day of O-line pads was shed drill with you and i've told this story to you you know it's good on the on the podcast but it's like and you were downhill in two steps hardest anyone's ever hit you know it just absolutely blew my mind that a human being could hit that yeah i'm not looking forward to the age of 50 when my neck doesn't rotate yeah (laughs) yeah but anyway so it's like and i can remember walking back to you know the back of the line because this was kind of like an oklahoma shed drill i don't remember what the hell it was but um and just think, you know, blinking, blinking, and just going, oh, um, these are the big boys. Like, this is different. And, you know, to your point, how, like, all these guys probably shouldn't be playing D1 ball. And it was just, there was something pouring out of your freaking eyeballs. that was like, golly, I'd never, ever, ever want to meet that guy in a back alley angry. Like, this is, these guys are just. There's a, definitely a different level of, uh, I don't know, pissed offness, maybe. I don't know. That, that. <laughs> anger whatever it is and that was the way that we found that release bob mclaren said all the time it's your release baby it's your release release. (laughs) oh man i want to go back yeah just getting older thinking about those things ah i want to go back so bad is it's uh good times um it was yeah i mean i it was it just you know and i guess we'll probably dive into the football aspect so i'll just you know i'll cut to the chase i mean after commissioning, I I, uh, I went to Okinawa with Fourth Marines, um, and then I got a chance, really awesome opportunity to be uh, the Olmsted Scholar to Croatia. Um, did that for three years, which is crazy. You know, I'm a moron. I'm like a knuckle dragging idiot, and they taught me a language, and I like went to grad school in a foreign language. Um, yeah, t- tell then, me more about. Pause on that Croatia. How, tell me more about that Croatia experience. I mean, other than the military and just you know, culture <laughs> me. It's. Cr- I tell you what, man. I mean, I couldn't. You, you cannot possibly uh, – there's no way to, from the outside, really – it's a lot like Navy football in that it's like it's hard It's hard to put it into words. It's yeah. one of those things. It's like unless you've been there, you can try. But, um, yeah, I mean, we lived in the Balkans, man, uh, you know, just shy of a decade after they had got done tearing themselves to pieces, um, you know, in the breakup of Yugoslavia. So – it was a, it's a fascinating culture. It's, it's, you know, they're European, they're you're Eastern European, they're white guys just like us. Um, but they literally, you know, a decade or now, you know, several decades ago, were, were bulldozing each other into pits, you know, by the tens of thousands and, and literally ethnic cleansing their neighbors. Because, hmm. uh, you know, Yugoslavia was a patchwork of kind of ethnicities and, and cultures, and they all kind of lived in this kind of semi-homogenous uh, country called Yugoslavia. And then you know, and it's, and it's a great, like right now, it, the, the history, studying the history and the breakup of Yugoslavia, like every American should stop and read about the breakup of Yugoslavia and maybe check their language a little bit the next time they start, you know, saying that, that, uh, you know, uh, your neighbors, your enemy and, and so on and so forth. Uh, because once you start that, once you start that drum roll, um, it doesn't end well. And so these guys, these guys were, you know, their lives were just ripped apart 
their countries, yeah. you know, their country was ripped apart. And now they're in, you know, several different countries, you know, Croatia, Slovenia, uh, you know, uh, Serbia, Montenegro, Bosnia, Herzegovina, where Amanda's family's from, you know, so yeah. Amanda's family's Bosnian. So that was the other thing. Like we went to, we would go visit her family in, in Sanski Most. And, uh, you know, there's like 20 people sitting around the table. Nobody speaks any English whatsoever. So we're having a conversation with her, her family in, in Bosnian for hours and hours uh, in a city that had literally lost 10,000 civilians uh, during the war of just pure ethnic cleansing and uh, getting their perspective on it, getting to live every day. Like we had no, we had no English speaking neighbors. We had no, there were students in school with me at grad school that spoke English. So I got to have some pretty fun conversations with like my fellow students. And again, it was like, it's like my entire life story. You know, Uh, I, all of a sudden I get to hit rewind and act like a jackass kid again. You know, it's like the academy. I'm like 26 years old as a senior, and I'm still like whipping guys' asses in the t- in the shower with a towel. You know, <laughs> kid. Okay, it was the same thing. So here I am. I'm this you know 30 whatever year old guy, marine, you know, captain, and uh, and I'm like hanging out with grad school students. That, you know, they're like they're like smoking and drinking after class, and you know, go to the local coffee shop or whatever. And so it was it was amazing, but really more than anything, it was this awesome family experience. We just we traveled yeah. every weekend. It seemed like, like it. I remember seeing you know some of the excursions you guys going on. Your wife made a book, right? Cookbook. Yeah, she yeah Amanda wrote a cookbook. Uh, our table in Croatia. It's amazing. It's a, it's yeah, everybody go out and buy it. Buy that book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it starts. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Skip over the pages where I look like a pansy. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Keep going. What after Croatia? So, Anyway, so after Croatia, really up until just this last, my last program, I was at Marsoc, um, which was uh, a great, um, you know, it was awesome. So just being around guys, it was, uh, you know, and we're, and we're drawn to that, those types of communities, you know, like drawn to the, the special operations community because they're guys who, who it's, you know, it's the same thing. It's right. It's yeah. like big, boy, big boys only. You, you know, want to be. Big boys only you better you better show up here ready to play and if you're not we're going to like if you show the slightest bit of weakness weakness we're going to seek and destroy until you bow out you know and it's that it's that just ruthless meritocracy just ruthless um uh desire to win and be the best um sounds like the price of admission yeah just these guys that are and that's it's it's close you know I, I don't think it, I don't think it is. Again, even in the, in the Marine Corps Special Operations realm, you know, there's still there, there is a, there's just something about, you know, that that locker room, you know, on in the second week of camp where it's like big boys only, big boys only, and and everything else is a joke until it's until you're around the guys who will absolutely pay the price all the way to the point where they've got literally nothing. They're on the floor full body cramps, you know, you know, getting, getting whatever injection, getting whatever IV and then back at it, you know, give me a couple hours and a, whatever the hell that stuff was. We used to drink the, whatever the fruit juice was, you know, one of those and a, 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 a pack of Lay's, you know, potato chips. And it's like back at it, like big boys only. And, uh, and so that was great, you know, being, being a Marsoc was good. Cause it, it, uh, it kind of scratches that itch a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, I was, and then just this latest uh, deal, as I was uh, slated to be the Marine Attaché to, to Tbilisi, Georgia, um, which I don't know if we can get into that it? later. But the reason I'm not in Georgia is, a, is another story altogether. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some stuff there you gotta, you know, not talk about. But tell me more. So like, what does that role in, entail? I'm, I'm ignorant to that role. The Attaché role. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like I said, you know, there's there's parts of it that that um, you know whatever, uh, but it, it, the the main focus of it is you're you're essentially the for the Marines for the Marine attaché or as I would have been both the Marine and the kind of naval attaché, you're the both the the services representation uh, to a foreign country and to the chief of mission to the ambassador, and you're also the ambassador's man to the equivalent of that host of that host, uh, nation, um, that of that host nation. So, um, like I would have been the, um, I would have been essentially the ambassador's representative to the ministry of interior and, and, uh, 
Hey, you guys need to close the door. Close the door. Close the door. Because I'm in the car. No, no, no. Outside. Close the door. Outside. Thanks. Um, <laughs> it's all good. I got a couple yeah. too. Um, so I would have been the essentially the ambassador's man for the Ministry of Interior and their, their kind of like Marine Maritime Force. And so then I would have been the Commandant's man in Tbilisi. Any cultural differences there? Like if you were to into that role, like I guess there's probably yeah. some sort of culturally different thing you will have to operate like, right? Yeah, yeah, um, pretty, pretty, pretty vast. Uh, so what are some immediate changes you'd have to make? Well, the first is that you've got to, in that situation, you have to be uh, about as cold-hearted as, as you possibly, you know, because you're, you're not just dealing with the Georgians, your host nation, which are our buddies, you know. You're over there because, obviously, because of adversaries, um, other guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so you got to be able to, like, you know, uh, meet a guy at a, at, a, at a reception and kind of shake his hand and be like, you know, hey, yeah, it's like, great, I can't wait to see you next Thursday. And then, like, you know, uh, walk out the door and walk around back and be like, yeah, that's the guy that we're we want to target, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, like, and, and in a real, I mean, um, and, and not necessarily, you know, uh, kinetically, but like, uh, diplomatically or, you know, like we're, sure. you're, you're in a, you're in a competition. So, um, so every smile and a handshake is, is, you know, you're, you're, you're under the surface, you're brawling, you know, you're, yeah. you're fighting. So, um, I'm trying to think of that Mattis quote where, um, yeah, know, like be, say be, be polite. Yeah. Uh, there you, go. you know, uh, have a plan to kill everyone, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. You know, it's like, that's, and you know, as a Marine operating in foreign countries, obviously not with our partner nation, you know, with like our partner, like the Georgians are like, I mean, talk about like tight, you know, we're very, very tight. You spent years brawling in Afghanistan side by shoulder to shoulder with those guys. Right. So they're like. That's the, the problem. Really, is that we're so tight that those guys, you have to be, you have to like pull them back. You have to rein them back. You'd be like, hey, because hey, hey. they're like, oh, did that that guy like offend you? Like, I'll go kill him. You know, and it's like, no, 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 you're gonna, <laughs> you know, don't do that. Um, that's I'm that's. Just, I'm just kidding, but I mean, really, in a sense, that that's that's how they view our relationship, and it's so tight, and it's like that. With we have a whole bunch of people that that's the case, um, but then you know, there's a bunch of adversaries who, who who do not have our best interests at heart, and you're kind of at that at that um, uh, at that uh, below the surface kind of uh, shaping phase of operations. Um, you know, phase zero. Um, below squelch trying to you know trying to make sure that that we don't lose the next one you know like like we got our asses kicked the last two times that's a that's pretty neat uh neat gig there um is there anything that like previously you may have learned uh in order to set you up for success on that role like an experience or i mean i think that uh Yeah, I think that there's a little bit of uh, ruthlessness um, that you learn. Quite frankly, I don't know if you could learn in any. I mean, we, I think I think junior enlisted Marines are pretty ruthless, so maybe you know you could learn it that way. Um, but there's a ruthlessness that comes with you know these guys talk about Navy football, especially today. You know, like kind of the modern era, and I don't mean to cast aspersions, but there's just a lot of like happy talk. You ever notice that? It's like a lot of love, and and just in our culture, just in general, it's like oh, we love this guy, and I love that guy, and I love all these guys, and and it's like and you know it's leadership based on love, and blah blah blah. blah. It's like yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> when I think of like Kyle Echol and Bob McLaren, and I think of like you know you and me, you know, or just the way or like you know think of like Matt Nishak the way that these guys love, it's just, it's different, you know, like, um, it's one, it's earned. And, and I don't mean to get off on the love tangent. I mean, there's a ruthlessness there that, that allows you, if, if you've been, if you have been acclimated to a certain level of ruthlessness, it prepares you for the world because right. you, you, you stop like thinking people have the best intentions they don't always. Yep. Um, there's also a bunch of people who are just ruthless killers at their heart, you know, like, they're in order to win like uh you know bobby doyle's affection you you know what i mean like you've got to be a different kind of guy yeah and right like i could fall off my roof two stories and break both my femurs and you know 
Booby'd like walk past. He wouldn't cross the street to help me in the ambulance. You know, he'd yeah. be like, "Pussy," you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up. My wife always gives me heck about, "Oh, you need to make friends with these people," and I'm just like, "Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I just haven't found that type." Um, yeah. In, in a long time, you know, based off of how I was raised, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you got you got to earn it, dude. Yeah. You got to earn it. And, and the thing about it is like, well, there's, re and those types of relationships are the real ones, right? Like if you asked Bobby Doyle to help you, like if you had a body in your trunk, you know, he'd be like, yeah, I got, you know, I got a shovel and a, you know, a sack of lime, but you're driving <laughs> dude. Cause gas is expensive. You know, I'm not driving. It's your problem. That's exactly. Um, you know, but so it's earned like real, it's real. It's there. You know, could you imagine a guy that you'd rather be shoulder to shoulder with on the ramparts, staring down 10,000 dudes than like Matt Neshack or Jordan Stevens, you know, those guys are just, they just smile and bare their teeth and, and wield their sword, you know, yeah. like that kind of loyalty and like, uh, ruthless dedication has to be earned. And, uh, and it's not something that you just show up. You can't, and you also can't like talk about it. You can't just like, those types of things aren't something it's like, Oh, well, if maybe if we just talk about the brotherhood enough, like this, like you'll impart this culture. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, like, cause that, that can destroy one too though. That's exactly right? right. All it does is corporatize those types of things. Yeah. And it's like, you can talk about it all day long. Those things are not thing. Those things are not things that are meant to be spoken. Like those are things that are meant to be done. These are, these are men of action. These are men of, of like, of deeds and show me, and, uh, you know, like the, these are just guys that, that don't know how to behave any other way, um, because it's habitual for them, right? Like every single day they just wake up and grind and it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, after a high and you've just beat Notre Dame or you've just been embarrassed by Hawaii. It's like these guys just oh, grind the highs and the lows are kind of, they're impervious to them. They're just going to grind and they don't know how to do anything else. And so that lesson, you know, of just kind of steady state, like I'm just going to wake up every day and grind and just pay, you know, I'm just going to lay payment down day after day. Um, you know, that's something that I, it's hard, I, you know, and I, I know there's other parts in life. There are, there are, there's other, there are other aspects of life that can teach it. But boy, yeah. what a school Navy football was. You know? Yeah, it's kind of like, because we all go through the highs and lows of life, you know, just working week to week, you know, one year, yeah. maybe not as best as the last year. Maybe the next year is the best one they're ever going to be, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's, that, it's that, that foundational learning of that, how to deal with it, get back in the fight that really separates the pack, right? You know, yeah. the ones that aren't going to sad sack for too long. I remember, and I remember seeing your face, I think there's a picture of it. Uh, Naps, Joe Speed, and you know we were down Army game, and everyone's kind of like looking, you know, sloppy. He comes over to me, smacks me in the face, like, "Hey, you need to get out. You need to stop moping. You need to whatever you're thinking about, you know, because I wasn't playing very good. Um, you can get your head back in the game right now. There's no time for this, and, and yeah. that's that's what it takes for sure, and, and not just in, in maybe football, but uh in the world today so yeah well just in life you think about like and navy football is a great example of that because the, like you said like these are guys all of us are just guys that don't belong on that field with you know with notre dame and that's the thing you could be up two touchdowns on them but these get just pure athleticism all you have to do is is not be like just literally take your foot off the gas for one second and the, the difference in speed athleticism yes. physical, whatever it's like that will just they will hang they will hang 60 on you in a quarter if you are not yeah. totally dialed in. That mental toughness, that beating each other up constantly, that it's really, you know, that toughness just gives you a shot with a team yeah. like that, right? Yeah. I remember, oh gosh, they're, they're, Notre Dame's offensive line was just, you know, they could probably stick their arm out straight and kind of force me wherever they wanted to go with my shoulder pads that they held on. Just grown how men. Humili how, <laughs> how humbling. <laughs> Was well, an event like yeah. that when you know, when you're out there uh, battling uh, your opponent and they can do stuff like that? It's just gotta get back up. Yeah, and well, uh, and it's like 
you know, the, strength punishes the, but speed kills. That's another piece <laughs> yeah, of it. Right. Well, you also think about like how if you're if you spend your life like that, like a street rat, you know, just like you're you're nobody's ever nobody's ever gonna give you anything. You're gonna have to earn everything. And if you if you operate like that, and it's not just football, right? It's like if you operate like that in life, like nobody's ever you're not gonna get a free pass. You're never gonna get a playoff. Like these guys, just pure athletic ability and strength and speed and you know, whatever, even just like fo- football acumen, like these guys tower over you. So you never get to take a day off. So you got to earn every single bit of it. And if you look at life that way, you know, you start to very quickly prioritize the things that matter and the things that don't. Yeah. And it used to drive me crazy. And Curtis Bass will tell you this. It used to drive me crazy when I showed up to NAPS. You know, I was like still so, you know, my world was this infantry centric, you know, Marine Corps where the military was this really serious thing. And Curtis Bass had a smile from ear to ear, no matter what the hell he was doing, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at NAPS. Like nothing was serious to him. And throughout the entire entire time, (laughs) nothing was ever serious. And it used to like, seriously, you know, I was a Marine sergeant. I was like, why can you not just stand still position of 10? And he just laugh and smile. And, you know, we're like, we'd be in a formation run, you know, doing cadence or something stupid. And he'd just be mocking it relentlessly, you know, singing loud. Just, and he's, you know, like 290 pounds, but he has, like, the athleticism of Jeremy Miles, so it didn't matter to him. Like, he could just back there and just mocking it. And, uh, but, like, have you ever seen more electricity coming out of somebody's eyes than Curtis Bass before the first snap of a football game. Dude, that guy could t- flip that switch like no other. Oh, my He's goodness. He's such a goofball, but when the lights yeah. come on, it's a different game for sure. Well, but that's exactly – and it didn't – it did never – and I probably – it took probably maybe even like, you know, 10 years after the, the academy for me to click – for it to click. And it was like, oh, everything that's not – like Curtis Bass can prioritize and everything that's not that level, like really requires Curtis Bass's, you know, uh, faculties and, and, and everything that he's got, everything else is a joke, man. And that's the way that he, you know, and that's a ton of those guys, you know, it's like, you know, they like, you know, Jordan Eddington, you know, these guys are just mock and like Ram, these guys just mock the military relentlessly. Yeah. And so, I, you know, so those Texas I, boys, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I San don't know, Antonio, whatever. Houston, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. But being a military kind of representative in the locker room, because I was like the only guy who was like legit, you know, military guy, not, uh, not you know, Naval Academy joke military. Um, I was like, I was the target of that. So they're just mocking me all the time, mocking the military. Just fueled your fire, right? Yeah, just, you know, relentless. <laughs> and it's like, it clicked. I was like, these guys, what's important? And that's the thing that's amazing, their ability. And this is like, that's a skill for life. Like if you have been acclimated to the things that are real and serious and require your energies and the things that don't, um, these guys don't know how to do anything other than be successful and just crush the things that are important. And everything else is a joke to them, which is why they're so much fun to be around. Because it's like, that doesn't matter, you know? But like... Could you think of a better, you know, I was talking to Curtis, I don't know, years back when he was like talking about getting out of the Navy. And he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about like going and working these community projects or whatever. And I was thinking, man, you know, could you think of a guy better equipped to drop into like a broken society and a broken culture and like a, you know, a crime riddled community than Curtis Bat? I mean, that guy's got the skills to just, I to wish come in and I just had suck like- the oxygen out of the room. I wish I had a little button I could hit that just went, shamwap, like, yes, hitting it on the head right there. You know, and that's how all these, you know, that's how those guys are because, because they, they, you know, went through all that and it's innate to them. They like, they can prioritize what's important and what's not, what requires, like, what's, what's, where am I an elite, you know, uh, company, like, when does my family this is the chance when everybody else is falling away my family needs me right now like this is the time when nobody else can do this only a husband can do this this is the time when you know nobody else is going to fill in like only a father can do this for my kids right now can you prioritize the things that are important in life and everything else let it be kind of a joke you know 
you can just be Curtis Bass with a with a shitty grin on your face at the position of attention and just kind of let everything else roll off your back and can you focus on the things can you be Curtis Bass before the first snap of the Notre Dame game like just electric and um I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned from all you guys uh which was what's what's serious what's real and you know they don't they guys would never talk about it and the team would never talk about it but you could just tell by the things that they take seriously and the things they don't yep you know no doubt man you just hit it right on the head and you just wiped away some of the other questions that i wanted to, to talk because you just hit them all um man. well good i'm glad it's good uh, <laughs> a third, third string defensive end can talk navy football you know i don't know i spent a lot of time watching uh, no this is <laughs> man this is so much more than than navy football it is the the life skills, right? And, you know, for what, so with where you're at today, and I'm going to share, so some of my struggles lately have been, um, you know, with, with mindset, I caught myself, and that's why I'm, another reason why I'm doing this podcast is to keep my head in the game with this type of stuff, because I started to, to drift out of that, you know, kind of getting negative about some stuff. Um, and, and almost, you know, felt like a, I was a, a victim of circumstance on, on a few things, and I did not like that at all. You know, I started getting my head back into this game, um, really listening to podcasts, staying away from the news, finding something that's positive, mentally challenging myself, trying to continually learn. Uh, man, once you, once you do that, once you step away from that and, and get down, go down that, that rabbit hole, it's, it's not good. You got to course correct, right? <laughs> Yeah. What kind of of things are you struggling with nowadays? <laughs> Maybe an yeah. example or two or just Well, you just know. you know, I mean you said before the podcast we won't, you know, that I'm not gonna be politically correct, so I'll just I'm just gonna um Yeah, man, I mean the past year for me has been uh has been you know, massively destabilizing. So uh, you know, and I don't know how how familiar you are with my situation right now. Probably the guys aren't, but um, a year ago when the, when the, uh, um, the SECDEF announced that he was going to make the, the COVID vaccine mandatory, um, I pretty much right then and there, uh, along with Amanda, you know, she's, she's been a rock, um, this whole time. I just said, Hey, look, I, you know, these guys, this is just raw politicization of, of the force. And, and, uh, these guys, especially these 18 year olds, these guys don't need it. They don't want it. Um, so I decided I was going to. I was going to stand up and, and say no. Um, and that process, you know, like at first there's like, you know, like everything, there's like highs and lows, there's the rush of it. There's, but um, maybe, I don't know, a couple of months ago, you know, you're almost a year into it at that point. And, uh, you know, I'd been the, the chief of mission essentially dumped me from, from the attache service and, and uh, you know, this, and, and, also, you know, something that had kind of been my entire identity had been wrapped up in being a Marine and, and being good at it and, and, uh, and a successful Marine Corps officer. And uh, the institution really just it's kind of set its teeth on me and uh, and came after me pretty hard um, and also went out of its way to make sure that I couldn't retire, that um, that I was going to get nothing, like nothing. And and they were going to make it hurt as much as they possibly could. And um so like, I don't know, two or three months ago when every, all the, you know, all the administrative processes had run their course and like, you know, at every turn, these guys had just went out of their way to be like, nope, you're going to like, we're going to, we're going to separate you. We're going to give you another than honorable. Like we're going to do whatever we can do to make this hurt as bad as we possibly can. Cause you're not, cause you're, you're not compliant, you know, you're not with the program. And, uh, and, you know, I knew I was, I knew I was right. And, you know, I think being on the side of the, you know, the Nuremberg code helps, but, you know, uh, still, you know, I was like, I knew I was right, like in my, in my heart. And, uh, but it's a tremendous amount of pressure, um, that was on me. And, and, uh, and it was also a really humiliating, you know, experience where it's just like, boy, the whole, the whole thing that I tied so much of my, my identity up, that whole thing was being turned against me. And, uh, and the whole institution was coming after me. And then I became like a pariah, you know, like I was used to being kind of the man in whatever unit I was in. And it was like, now I was this pariah. Yes. And, uh, 
and you know got into a really dark period because it looked like hey look all, all this stuff is coming to an end like it's going to go bad for you and they, they started the you know i was i was put on the naughty list the bad boy list you know i got put on the odn and and uh and start start the show cause stuff you know when when an officer gets in trouble they have there's it's a long process to to like fire up an officer like they got to have show cause and they got to have like uh this big letter and a three stars got to sign in all this kind of stuff and all this stuff is coming to a head and uh you just just really hit a, a real real low point because it was like it would never it would never it just never seemed to end and never seemed to get anywhere but it's just constant humiliation every single day and uh i you know i just started thinking about um about like where you know aside from amanda because she was such a such a rock like where my support came from and you know i started thinking of uh you know uh, uh I started thinking of Blake and uh, so I just like middle of the night, I just reached out and sent an email, I think just saying, Hey, like who's, who, who wants to go to a game? You know, like I, I just need to be around these guys and uh, it, and you know, I got like an email back almost immediately from like Kevin Campbell and Bunch, you know, but it was like, <clears throat> sometimes we forget that all these guys are there. And, uh, and sometimes you're so used to, to being successful or you're so used to just, you know, kind of like, like we were talking about earlier, you just kind of get just grinding and everything's going to be all right. And you just kind of grind, um, that, that when you hit a real, real deep, uh, period, like you were just talking about, like you you can you can very rapidly spiral um spiral downhill and uh i'm glad i sent that email man because uh a bunch of guys replied and it was like the guys that i wanted you know I, I wanted everybody to reply but it was like guys that i really needed to hear from yep um and you know we're going like we're going to the memphis game next week uh can't wait and yeah yeah and uh and and then you know, lo and behold, like three weeks later, court there's a court injunction, and so like, at least for the time being, I'm I'm in like a status quo, uh, like I'm not I'm not facing a, uh, either a, an administrative separation or, or a, a court martial or any of those types of things, and and quite possibly might be allowed to to kind of continue with a Marine Corps career, even though you know I'd rather uh, put these guys in a blood choke than than continue to work with them, but. Um, the last few years have changed so rapidly uh, with this whole COVID thing. It's just, you know, leadership re is required more so now than ever before. And to see someone like a Cameron Marshall going through something like that, kind of, it, it's, it's very surprising. Um, well, I mean, that, that's the point, you know, I, 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 I told all these guys at the 06 and the thing that's interesting, like right now in my job, like now that I'm not doing attache work really anymore, uh, I do all, I handle all these like general officer level stuff. And so I like run across all these, all these GOs, right. And some of them that I know, you know, from previous and all I've ever, and they all, it's all, these guys are all just passive observers. It's all kind of like, oh, well, gee, gee, golly, gosh, you know, I hope this works out for you. Um, and it's like none of these guys will ever stand up and do and do like anything even remotely close to what I've been asked to do. Uh, when you think something when, when you think something is wrong or you think, you know, that you're in the right. You know, and I ask these guys all the time, I'm like, you think these 18 year old guys, these athletes uh, in the prime of their life who didn't even know they had COVID because their bodies are so attuned, you know, and I won't get into the COVID like science stuff, but like the, the simple question is like, do 18 year olds, you know, 18 year old athletes need a COVID shot? Of course they don't like totally. Let's assume that it worked, you know, which is a joke, but let's just assume that it did. Of course these guys didn't need it, but that wasn't the point. The point was if they had said that, then they'd have been persona, they'd have been crushed politically. And it was like, when the hell, did we all of a sudden become a force that was wholly incapable of standing up for 
for the force exactly. and the and the lethality you know and then you re- then you look around and you're like oh yeah that's how you get your ass kicked one year at a time for 20 years uh by a bunch of people who shit in a, in a hole you know <laughs> it's that's how you have every from the freaking company commander level to the to the go because i don't like i don't I don't subscribe to this whole, like, well, it's all just the generals. It's like, well, how about we take, you know, like, how about you look in the mirror, you know, old boy, uh, I, you know, we're in a military right now. That's like more focused on your genitalia than it is on, on killing the enemy. And you know what, guess guess who's been in the military for the past 20 years. Guess who didn't say anything when I was spending more time doing sexual assault and sexual harassment and, and extremist training and whatever the hell else. I was doing than I ever was focused on lethality. Guess who didn't say anything? Well, that's me. Guess who the, the force I joined in 2001 was a killer force. Those guys were murderers. They were awesome. And I tell you, the thing that I'm handing off to the next generation is a joke. And so how about like, how about examining what's at your own feet? And for me, that I mean, that's been the hardest part. It was like, Dude, I, I did this. Like, I did this. I was a platoon commander and a company commander and, and you know, a team leader and whatever during all this time. And it's not, it's not COVID. It's just a symptom, right? Like, the politics that we live in, this is, these are just symptoms of a rot, a, a total and complete lack of accountability and balls. And Dude, you're pumping me up. I'm ready to go run through a wall right now. <laughs> Well, dude, we're going to need to run through some walls because times are about to get real rough because soft men make rough times. And, and you know, I, I don't know. You know, I know, that I, I know that I can hack in rough times, but I tell you what, man, there is an accountability that I feel when I go to bed, when I look at our military today, and when I look around our culture. And so, you know, dude, I wake up every day and look at my daughters and look at my son, and I'm like, okay, not you guys. Not you guys. And it's the same thing, like, it, if I ever, if they give me another team or they give me another company or whatever it is, like, not you guys. If, if you know, I get put out in the, the corporate world, you know, and I get to look at my guy, you know, whoever I'm managing, whoever, it's like, not you guys. We're going to be dip. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to swim against the current here because this current is about to sweep us over an effing waterfall. And it's going to get real ugly. And I don't just, I don't mean like, I'm not talking, this isn't hyperbole, but like life will get ugly if we do not snap out of it and start taking some ownership and, and, and not just demanding ownership, which a lot of people, you know, it's like, what about our elites and our our leaders? And it's like, yeah, those people are total, you know, they're just oxygen thieves. They are the most worthless, you know, scumbags. Absolutely. Okay. You know, you know, MJ, look in the mirror, you know, uh, you know, start with the man in the mirror. Let's 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 take a look at at what we can do in our in our small little sphere instead of blaming the rest of the world and crying about it. Um, and so that was the. I mean, you know, going back to the original, that was the only thing I ever asked those guys. I was like, hey, look, I'm not asking you to do anything that I that I'm not doing. I'm just here. Look, I'm standing up and I'm saying that's wrong. And all I'm asking you to do is do the same. And all it would take is a couple of you guys to do that. You know, like I had a conversation with the, the chaplain of the Marine Corps and, and he's like, oh, did you put in a religious accommodation? It's like, shut up, idiot. All it would have taken was like two seconds. Yes, I did. But that's not the point. Like one, it's fraud. Like you knew, don't, don't tell me to put in a religious accommodation when you know it's fraudulently going to be denied. And two, all it would take, you know, like, oh, I guess you, you must, you must have a lot to, to lose, you know, like your retirement and your position, you know, your next rank and all that. Oh wait, no, that, that's me. I'm the one who could lose my retirement. I'm the one that won't make the next rank. I'm, you're the guy who can't go any higher and his retirement's secured and he's got nothing to lose. And, you know, what What would be the impact of like one of those guys retiring or a general officer retiring or, 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 sorry, resigning over something like this? And that's what we're lacking. We're lacking somebody who will just stand up and be like, you know, uh, I mean, it's just so rare to just stand up and be like, look, I know what's right. This isn't it. I'm gonna and I'm gonna battle for what's right. And if that means that I bear the consequences of it, well, so be it. And if I'm the only guy that takes the consequences, so be it. And that's how, like, I'm sorry, but that that mentality is the only thing that gets you a, a touchdown with like three seconds left against Temple. It's like I'm here. I don't care. Everything's 
everything's lost. Like paying the price. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip. I'm gonna rip the football out. You know, like yep. whatever. I don't. I, what, Dude, what, I hear you. Worst, I hear you. No, I. What's the worst that could happen? You know. Yeah. And you know, it's. We just need. We need more men, quite frankly, uh, to to live that way. And and you know, it was Navy football that taught me to live that way. Dude. I mean, it was. It was. It, I I'm, I'm a Christian, so it was Jesus Christ first and foremost who did. But like, Navy football put it into these like gritty terms for me. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> pay. They beat pay it into up. you. Pay up. Dude, awesome. I heavily enjoyed our conversation of the day. I'm so glad that I, you know, A, you know, I was kind of loud about this whole experiment of this podcast because I wanted to hold myself accountable. I knew if I didn't tell anybody, I wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> so glad you were the first one on the list, dude. Um, you know, really excited to keep this thing going. But man, uh, Love you, brother. And, uh, Love you too, man. Appreciate you st- sharing your story today. Um, excited, and I hope, you know, the intent behind it, I hope it connects and resonates with someone else out there to, to motivate them, to change course, uh, to inspire, really. Because, um, dude, you're an, you're an inspiring bastard. Uh, and proud to know you. So... Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you chose. You know, you went big on on the first. You know, podcast. Take the third string. You know, backup defensive end from Navy. You know, <laughs> never, never had a registered tackle. It's like went big, huh? Dude, like, res- bold, bold move, Cotton. Heavy, re- heavy respect. Heavy respect. All right. Well, anyways, that's it for today. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, experiment number one done. Uh, we'll see if it works a second time. Can't Thanks, wait, Cam. man. Can't wait. Bye. See you, Tom.